Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Seven Foot Heart. Today we have Coach Rex Walters on the phone with us. Coach had an amazing collegiate and professional playing career, also his coaching career. As a player, Coach Walters played at Northwestern in Kansas. He was actually the first round pick, 16th overall to the New Jersey Nets. Played for the Miami Heat, Philadelphia 76ers, Valencisto in Spain, Kansas City Knights, and CB Grand Canary. Uh, as a coach, Walters was an assistant for Valparaiso, Florida Atlantic, Detroit Pistons, Nevada, and Wake Forest. Coach was a head coach at Florida Atlantic, San Francisco, and Grand Rapids Drive. Coach was a two-time first-team All-Big 8 and was a WCC Coach of the Year. Coach Walters, thanks for being on today. Sean, thanks for having me, my man. You, you went through a lot of stuff. That it's, I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, all the things that we, all the places I was at in my life. That's awesome. Coach, it was great. I actually, uh, when I was doing it, my hand got tired. I was writing all this stuff down. I was trying to figure out <laughs> where I'm going to place it. Yeah. Basketball right. takes a lot of crazy places. It's paid a lot of bills. It's taken awesome. England, Ireland, Japan, uh, obviously Spain. I've been all over the world just because of basketball. And every time uh, someone else is paying the bill, which is kind of nice. That's great. Coach, what a great experience. I appreciate you being on again today. Um, you know, getting into college basketball, how did you get into college coaching? Well, wow. So when I retired, so when I finally retired from playing, uh, after I came back from Spain, uh, I went to a couple free agent camps uh, in the NBA. I think I want to say uh, Toronto, uh, Boston, and Denver. I went to those two places and thought I played well enough to at least get an invite. I, I knew I, you know, made some good money and I wasn't going to get probably a guaranteed contract. Yep. But I would, I was hoping I'd get a, an invite. But the problem was I was, a, you know, seven year veteran uh, would make an eight year. Uh, at that time, it was all kind of logged in as to what an eight year veteran minimum would be and it's a lot of money it's it's close to eight hundred thousand dollars at that time which was a lot of money it's not anymore but yep. uh for and for nba standards and i couldn't get an invite like i was i was really disappointed and i just never forget like i'm talking to my wife we were living in kansas city at the time i was talking to my agent mark bartlestein who's a, did a phenomenal job for me he was a great agent for me and he says Rex, we just can't get anything we can't get an invite like your money's too much they can get a younger guy from our cheaper um, you're going to have to just wait and maybe you can get a 10 day down the line. Well, I had played, you know, in Kansas City in the ABA. We actually won a championship when I played for Kevin Pritchard, nice. who's now the GM of the Indiana Pacers. Um, not the, actually, he's the best president of basketball operations. But um, so I was a little upset and I said, well, screw it. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to start coaching. That's what I've always wanted to do, which is probably a mistake. I probably uh, jumped the gun on that. But uh, so then I just started calling everyone I knew, um, making making phone calls, reconnecting with all the different, because I've been really blessed to play for a lot of great coaches, um, a lot of really good people, but I, it was just a bad time. So I ended up getting a high school assistant job. I couldn't even get a high school head coaching job, <laughs> which probably was good because I wasn't ready. Yeah. But um, I, I was a high school assistant for a guy named Ed Fritz, and Ed Fritz is had unbelievable success at Blue Valley Northwest High School, uh, has won multiple uh, state championships in the state of Kansas, was actually the McDonald's All-American head coach 
uh, in their last All-Star game. I want to say either last year or the year before. Um, great players like Christian Braun, Clayton Custer, you know, has had some really good players go through that program. So I worked for him for a year, um, and then that's really where I got my start, and I loved it. It was great. It was a great life. I was living in Kansas City. I was on a uh, the Nicholas Golf Course of Kansas City, so I was playing golf a lot. Nice. And then I was coaching high school basketball. Uh, as an assistant and it was great to work for i really enjoyed it learned a lot um and uh from there i wanted to be the head jv head coach he didn't want me to he wanted me to stay as assistant but i was also constantly uh and i'm not a great networker but but i was constantly reaching out to people that i knew and then mark turgeon uh, who's now at maryland he made a phone call to a guy named david mo who was the head coach at emporia state and uh, he, he interviewed me. We interviewed for about five hours in his office. It was more of a conversation than an interview. But uh, he, he offered me basically the volunteer position at Emporia State. And so that's how I got my first break to get into college coaching. Awesome. Awesome. So, Coach, you know, you got into college coaching. You know, you saw that uh, you were an assistant coach. You know, being an assistant coach to then being a head coach – you know, what do you see the differences between being an assistant to to being the head coach? Uh, it's, there's so much more. And, and, and quite honestly, I was probably very young. And, you know, so think about this. I was an assistant coach for basically four years. Uh, you know, well, actually three years. Two years at Valpo. Because in Poria, I was, I was only there for a very short period of time. I ended up getting the assistant coaching position at Valpo for that first season. Went to the NCAA tournament. We actually lost to Gonzaga my first year. The second year I was there, we weren't quite as good. Still pretty good. Homer Drew's a great man and, and gave me an opportunity. And then I was an assistant coach for Matt Dort at FAU, Florida Atlantic. And I was nowhere near ready. But there's the thing I didn't understand is as an assistant coach, you make suggestions and you've got it all figured out. You go home at night, whether you win or lose. If you win, you feel pretty good about yourself. If you lose, you're like, ah, oh, well, we'll just get ready for practice tomorrow. Um, you know, I recruit, but it's not on me to, to sign guides. It's on me to put my head coach in position to to get a guy committed or signed. Uh, you're establishing relationships. You make a lot of suggestions. But yep. nothing ever really falls on your shoulders. Whereas yep. when you're the head coach, the the, the 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 barrel of the gun is pointed right at your forehead. That's right? <laughs> and, and so every decision, every single decision that you make has obviously a consequence or repercussion, good or bad. And so it was so much more. It was so. And, and I quite honestly, like a lot of guys will pay their dues. I think it's great when a guy works his way up from, you know, ops to you know video coordinator to going out on his own and, and figuring out i always tell guys coach you got to coach like yep. be an ops guy be a video guy but then go out and coach somewhere go go to go go division two go division three it does level, levels don't really matter especially when you're a young guy yep right and then and then hopefully you've done a good enough job that you'll get a chance to go back to division one and be an assistant coach yep. but you got to coach well i i skipped a lot of those steps and obviously i was fortunate I, I played in the nba i had a little bit of a name so I got to skip some steps, but I think that really hurt me later on because as a head coach, I didn't know exactly what an operations guy had to do and all the responsibility. I was fortunate to get some good ones, but I really didn't understand. I didn't know, know what it was to be a, a second or third or first assistant uh, in a program. You know, I was a first assistant 
uh, in some ways at Valpo. I was the associate head coach after two years at Florida Atlantic, but hadn't really paid my dues and, and learned and established all the relationships that you need to establish, how to build a bridge between yourself and an administration, yep. um, dealing with all the different compliance, academics, um, you know, recruiting contacts, your AD, your associate ADs. I didn't understand all that stuff because I'd only have three years of experience. So um, as a head coach, you learn right away, uh, you know, all the things that you thought you knew, you really didn't know you didn't know, you know? Um, And and that's what you really understand. And there's a big difference, even from that second seat to that first seat. And like I said, every single decision of every single day, it is, it's nonstop, 24 hours, 365 days a year you don't really you you can relax there's guys at a high level but still anything could happen at any time one player makes one bad decision it's on the head coach right one assistant coach makes one bad decision it's on the head coach like so that's that's the biggest difference the guys they they see the glitz and glamour of being a head like this year i was pretty stress-free for the most part i mean there was (laughs) things about being at Wake Forest and and trying to fit into a new program and system and coaching staff and players. But at the end of the night when we won or lost, you know, if it was my scout, I, I probably took it a little bit more personal. Yep. But even then I was like, you know, it, it's it's not it was all on Danny. Like and, and, <laughs> and so as an assistant coach, it's my job to constantly and I understood this better the second time around working for Eric Musselman and working for Danny. But the thing of, of putting my coach in position to be successful in recruiting and scouting and tape evaluation and practice, like constantly pushing my head coach forward and helping him in every way I could to put him in position to be successful. And so I didn't understand that when I first got my head coaching job, uh, how important all the steps are that you need to learn to really be the best head coach you can be for your team. That's great. So, Coach, you know, we're going to backtrack a little bit. Getting drafted, you know, by the New Jersey Nets, you know, how did that feel being first-round pick, 16th overall? You know, how did that feel? Uh, it, you know, it was it was a culmination of a lot of hard work. Um, it was a dream, of course, to, to play in the NBA and play at the highest level. And you don't really know, like, I wasn't a guy that was on everyone's radar. No one, no one looked at me when I was in high school and said, oh, that guy's going to play in the NBA. Yes. Uh, no one, you know, I wasn't highly recruited out of high school. I, I recruited by mostly mid-major programs and then a one program that was a, in a high major conference, Northwestern. I had to basically recruit Kansas to, you know, get them to offer me a scholarship. I called them. They didn't call me. But the one thing I had going for me is I had a great work ethic. Um, I had a great great parenting from my mom and my dad my brother um and my sister like really showing me what it took to be successful and the work ethic you had to have i had some really good coaches i had a great au coach named ruben luna who was really uh good taught me a lot of things about the game i had great coaching as a young kid and all that stuff was kind of a culmination like gosh you know all these people helped me get to this point and and i've I've kind of made that next stepping stone of being an NBA player, being a first-round draft pick. We had a party at my house. I didn't go to to New York for the draft. (laughs) I stayed at home with my family and friends because I didn't know, quite honestly, where I was going to be picked. My my old 
local newspaper didn't have me being drafted at all. Wow. Like, it was crazy. I read the paper, and I'm like, gosh, they don't even have me in the draft. <laughs> like, like, they... So, you it's know, I, was, I ended up being the 16th pick. It's funny. You get a phone call right before it happens. It was Willis Reed saying, hey, Rex, um, congratulations. You know, you're going to be you know, part of the New Jersey Nets. I talked to Chuck Daly very briefly. I could tell right away that Chuck didn't give a, give a, a rat's butt about, you know, <laughs> some rookie from Kansas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but, but it was a great moment. We went awesome. to Tony Roma's. We got some ribs. We had a great time. A lot of family and friends awesome. at my house, and then at Tony Roma's. And, and uh, then it was, shoot, within 48 hours, I was flying out to New York uh, to get to Jersey and start that process. That's awesome. So, Coach, you know, you know, being a college coach to being an NBA coach after your playing career, you know, what were the differences that you saw in the NBA style to the collegiate style? Well, I was really, really fortunate to work for Stan Van Gundy, number one. One as a G League head coach, and then and then one year with Stan. I learned so much uh, in that year about a defensive philosophy, about putting your players in position to be successful, about how to really teach and to- coach uh, high, high-level players. Because when you, when you coach high-level players, you better have your stuff together. Yeah. You better have video right. You better have a, a plan in place. You better be able to watch tape and break things down and know why things work and why things don't work. You, you have to be really good at that. Number one, like for Stan, it was it was just great because he really is a, a basketball like he, he's he's pretty much a genius. Okay, I mean he's the smartest basketball mind I've ever been around in terms of breaking down the game and what impacts winning and losing. Uh, in every single possession, um, he really has breaking it down. So for me, it was great because it just showed me all the things I didn't quite know. And I thought, you know, we had some good years at San Francisco. I had a good, I had a good year at Florida Atlantic. But there were so many things that I was missing out on that I think are always the margins of of, of error. You know, margins in winning and losing. And we covered a lot of margins, but obviously, it just helped me see it a whole nother level all the things that you can do as a coach to impact winning and put your players in position to be successful. Because we weren't the most talented team in Detroit. We had some great players, Andre Drummond, obviously, Tobias Harris, Reggie Jackson, um, some great, great players, but but not at the level. We didn't have a LeBron. That's the one thing that Stan hasn't necessarily had. Dwight was a great player in Orlando for him, but he hasn't had that transcendent player. If you look at championship teams in the NBA, you're looking at Michael Jordan's, LeBron James, Magic Johnson's, Larry Burgers, Isaiah Thomas's. You know, uh, Stan's been able to win at a high level. Um, and even in the year that, that our last year Detroit, like he still, we didn't make the playoffs. But if you look at the injuries we had in that season, you would understand why we, we, were, we weren't successful. So it just showed me so much more about what I need to be doing uh, as uh, if, I, if I get another shot to yep. be a head coach again. I think I'll be much more prepared now having spent that time with Stan. That's awesome. Yeah, he was actually on a Zoom call um, for the rising coaches and I was on it. And uh, he was sitting by his pool, hanging out, and he just talking, <laughs> telling us all about you know what he went through. And I had to ask him a question. I had a, I had a, I, I read a list down. I had a small, uh, short-term goals like to talk to Stan Van Gundy or Jeff Van Gundy. So I asked him a question, and I was all happy. I'm like, you know, what are some of the goals that you implement with your teams? And he answered it, and he was great. And it was, it was cool just to kind of have him on there and have that, uh, 
that uh, that bucket list ch- checked off, you know. <laughs> well, he, he's he, he's a coach's coach. Yeah, right? he loves to talk basketball. He loves to try to help coaches. Yep. Uh, um, he's not so much like I'm doing a Zoom call, and it's really all of his stuff. Yeah, you know, back in 2016-17, he hasn't called me complaining like, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> Why? Because because every because here's the thing about him is every year he's evolving. Even now, yeah. even though he's been out of it for a few years, like. He's always looking for ways to get better. That's why yeah. I think the NBA needs him back in the league because he's always evolving. He's always looking for ways to get better. He's always introspective into who he is and how, again, he can have an impact on players or coaches um, or organizations. He's really, really into that. That's why I think he's such a great coach. That's great. Coach, you know, as an assistant in the NBA, what were some of the duties and uh, some some responsibilities that you had? So really, I was more a player development. I was assistant assistant coach, and player development. So I really, well, the two guys I really had were Luke Kennard and Reggie Bullock. So uh, I was kind of in, in charge, not in charge, but like those are my guys, the guys that I had to work with every day. So basically, I mean, your day looks like this. You, you, so stands there at 6 a.m. every day, right? Um, we get there at 8. We have a staff meeting. Uh, we get done usually about 9, 9.30. But I had a scheduled time for Luke and Reggie to come in. And basically, I have the video from the next day, the previous day's practice or the previous day's game. And it'd be, you know, 10 to 20 clips uh, of, of two or three things I really wanted to emphasize with them. And we'd watch those clips, good and bad. You yep. know, things that we did really well, things that we need to do a little bit better, whether it be offense, defense, Low splits, pick and roll, dribble handoff game, transition defense, closeout footwork, um, you know, pick and roll defense. Like, and I'd really try to hone in on two or three things that okay, we want to get better at these things uh, today. And so that would be the first thing. And then we do about ten to fifteen minutes of shooting. They have a different time. So Luke usually got to about ten fifteen. We'd watch tape, right? Yep. Um, He'd go. Uh, he'd go get it. We did get our shots up, and then Reggie would come in. We'd either watch tape or do do um, do some shooting, and then he'd do one of the other afterwards. And that's kind of how I just broke it up. And then we start practice at eleven. And then the process would start all over again. Whether it's practice or a game that night, I'd have tape for them the next day. So that's really what I honed in on with those two guys. And then in practice. My, you know, one of my big things in every day of practice, I was always yelling, get back, get back, get back. So, <laughs> and whether it was five on oh, five on five, I was always uh, the get back guy. Getting guys back in transition, talking, sprinting, you know, sprinting, talking, pointing, matching up, and then building, you know, building out the defense. So, um, but just, you know, and, and coach was unbelievable. Stan was unbelievable. Giving you uh, a role to play every day in practice. So with every drill we had, we had a, quite a few staff, but he would actually organize the staff in terms of what they're coaching in this particular drill. So I'd have my practice plan, and let's say we're doing closeouts. Okay, my whole thing was, okay, we're, we're, I'm, I'm coaching active hands today. High hands on the closeout, catching the move, and, and I would focus in on that. So Stan also did an unbelievable job, and it helped me, like organizing practice and organizing your coaching staff so they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing heading into a practice. That's awesome. Yeah, I wrote down some of the stuff he had, and it, and he had like the um, it was the seven you know defensive musts, and you know yes. sprint back, protect the paint, you know close out and contest, active hands, you know communicate, defend without fouling, you know box out and rebound, and 
you know, I just kind of took that, wrote it down, and I'm like, you know, soaking it all in. You know, it's great. He's he's he has a lot of knowledge. No, he he's, he really is. He's unbelievable how detailed and organized he is. Yeah. Um, he never blamed a player for for in all my time there. It was always about him and what he could do to impact winning. Uh, and he really does. He watches tape. He he did every scout. Like you you <laughs> have you know you have a you have a scouting coach for each game. He'd have I think four guys doing scouts, but he also did every scout. So they would they would confer together, and then we'd do it as a staff. It was amazing the level of detail and the level of work ethic that he has. I've, I've never seen anyone like that before, and it awesome. really challenged me to be better. Definitely, you know, uh, whenever I had an opportunity to coach. That's awesome. Coach, you know, my last question for you is, you know, what's some advice you would give some coaches just starting out? Uh, I, I think the biggest thing is coach. Right. You know, I don't, I don't care what level. I don't, I don't care um, who you're coaching because if you're coaching third graders, you're going to have to really break things down. And, and that's what you have to do. You have to learn how to break things down, be able to teach, know exactly what it is that you're teaching to get the most out of your players and your team. It, it's not about... You know, and if you do that, and if you do it at a high level, and you make the coach, the coaching staff you work with, the players you work with, the team that you work with, the organization you're on, then you're going to create opportunities for yourself. I think that's the biggest thing. I think a lot of times now, you know, you'll see a lot of college college organizations. They're just going to get guys that can get them players. You know, and I think that that's important. You have to have players. You have to have talent, but you also have to be able to teach and coach. So you have to figure out who you are as a coach, how you are going to get the best out of your players and the best out of your team each and every day. And it's not going to necessarily be yelling and screaming. It's not going to be patting them on the back. It's about really breaking down the game and how you can impact and help that young player and that team get better. And when you do that, you're constantly challenging yourself to do that and finding new ways. This is a great time right now with podcasts and Zoom to, to really learn and really get introspective look at yourself about how, how can i be better teaching the game to get the most out of my players and it's it's a constant evolution but you have to be on the on the grind and in the journey uh to get better in order for you to create better opportunities for yourself that's great we have coach rex walters on coach can we find your podcast where can we find your podcast on apple as well yeah, so every Wednesday we release release a new one. Uh, I've had Stan Van Gundy, I've had Danny Manning, I've had um, I got Will uh, um, Bill Beckner coming on tomorrow. Jeff Linder, who's at Wyoming, uh, Sundance Wicks, who's now an assistant coach, was a former head coach at Missouri Western. Like I have a lot of different people that number one I really respect. Uh, I really Roy Williams has been on the thing. I've, I've had a lot of great Stan did an unbelievable job. Uh, and he's been on a couple times so you can find it uh, at theprosclub.com um, you can also find it on Apple Apple Podcasts as well Real Talk uh, Basketball it's, right? Yeah, it's Real Talk Basketball I hate saying my name it's Real Talk Basketball it's Rex Walton <laughs> I got it uh, but it's cool. really and it's, I don't do a lot of talking I know I talked a lot today but it's really about <laughs> Dan Van Gundy Jeff Lender yeah. Roy Williams Danny Manning you know Will Martin will come on in the future Bill Beckner Sundance Wicks you know, I, I get basketball people that really want to talk about real stuff that has to do with this, with the great game of basketball. That's awesome. Coach, I want to thank you for your time, and I appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge, and we wish you the best of luck. 
You're the man. I appreciate you having me, and and I look forward to uh, listening to your podcast in the future. Thanks, Coach. Take care. All right, bud. Hey, guys. Tune in. Tomorrow we're back on 7 Foot Heart. It's just came on Apple, Apple Podcasts. If you could look, if you have an iPhone, you can go on Anchor or Spotify. Take care, guys. Thanks.